Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Excited to welcome in our guest coming up here momentarily, Shane Young from Forbes Sports. I've gotten to know Shane better part of a year now. I've been having on with DJ and PK to talk about the NBA and the NBA playoffs. Shane, thanks for taking the time. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today, man. Absolutely. Uh, let's start here, Shane. I know you've spent a lot of time in Los Angeles covering the Clippers. Uh, you, you've mentioned this to me in our conversations off air. What is your uh, kind of read on how the Clippers are absorbing or kind of adapting right now down 2-0 in this Western Conference semifinals? It's actually a little strange to me because the first, I would say, the, the whole first season was Kawhi and PG, and then I, go, I guess like maybe half of this season, it's felt as if they perform better when they're when they're on top of their game, when they're when they're the ones leading or when they're the ones. I mean, people have called them front runners for a while now. You know, all things are going great whenever they're leading, but you know, whenever they have their backs against the wall is whenever they fold. And it has felt like, to be completely honest with you, it has felt like since February, whenever Kawhi and PG had to miss a lot of time, and the others had to step up and really. I guess, uh, proved themselves to be worthy in the rotation and, and actually propelled them to victories whenever the guys were missing games. Since that moment, including the Dallas series, it, it feels like they just are a lot better and more poised and more confident and confident whenever they are against a challenge like this. So, I mean, hey, th- this series, they're looking to be the first team in NBA history to come back from two 0-2 deficits in a single postseason run. Uh, I, I just always have been cautioning people that Utah is not the Dallas Mavericks, so this would be a, a, a very uphill battle. But I think they are, to answer your question, I think they are embracing this identity, I guess, of, of being a, a team that is going to have to come back that, like this. Uh, Shane, so we just saw the news that Mike Conley is out again tonight. How does that change this yeah. game, you know, does it does it change it at all from <clears throat> games one and two now that it's in Los Angeles and they still don't have to worry about Mike Conley? I don't know if it changes a lot for me. Uh, my thing has been, I'm not sure if you guys agree, but my thing has been don't bring Mike back until you lose or until he's 110% healthy. Like, even if he's good to go, I still would sit him until, until things start to look shaky. And so far, it, it has not looked shaky at all. I mean, you know, Utah is getting every look they could possibly want. I think they're creating they are creating more more open looks or I guess to a to a certain degree the same looks they did against Memphis. And for you to be doing that against, you know, this type of link the Clippers have, this type of uh, veteran presence on the defensive end they have, like that says something. So I mean I think I, I think Conley needs to just kind of chill and not really try to come back or force his way back because we have seen guys come back a little bit too quick from hamstring injuries. Even when they think they're good to go, you kind of need that extra you know, you know, week or so to really get right. So I don't think it really changes anything, even if like, you know, because I, I was telling somebody this the other day, even when Mike's not there, like it's hard to imagine Conley providing the type of scoring output or the type of, the type of juice that Jordan Clarkson has given them. Like at at best, I think it would be neutral. I mean, I I think Clarkson has done amazing in that role. Yeah. Shane, I wanted to ask you about Jordan Clarkson. Actually, you brought up my my next point here. He seems to be the ultimate uh, 
make or miss guy. And for the most part this season, mm-hmm. he's been on. What have you seen from him? What's kind of your analysis of what you expect from him the rest of this series? Are the Clippers going to be able to slow him down, I guess is the question. <laughs> well, actually, I, I really did believe, like truly thought that even though Donovan is averaging 41 a game, even though Donovan had 37 in game two, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere mm-hmm. around there, yep. um, Jordan is the one that tilted the game for them in game two. I don't know if they win without his without his you know audaciousness just to come up and shoot i mean it it was it was actually remarkable to see in person i mean i've seen him play a couple times in person but it's like he truly does not care who's in front of him he does not care who's closing out when he comes around the screen um and any like he he is just like he falls into the moment and he truly believes like for certain moments he's the best player on the floor and it's, it's actually funny to, to watch but uh some of those shots were just were just wild. I mean, he banked one in in front of the Clippers bench, nailed another one over a close uh, a Vita Zubats that was closing out, had a hand right in his face. Um, and I, I, I have said this many times. I think that what gets overlooked in the playoffs, or what gets overlooked from guys like Jordan Clarkson, what he does, what he does a masterful job at doing is just getting the ball in the air. Like you need shot creation, even if he's not the most efficient guy on some nights. I mean, lately he has been, but even if, like if he, like if he comes out and has a bad game tonight, I still think you need that guy that's not going to be afraid of it, that's going to get up shots, that can actually create. I mean, when's the last time we've seen him, or we've seen anyone in Utah be able to break down PG like he did in the opening sequence? I think it was the first couple minutes of the game. Clarkson crossed him over, got a pretty good look at a three, and, and drilled it. So. I mean, you need more guys than that than just one. And if, if Jordan wasn't there, it would all rely on, on Donovan's shot creation and then Joe Ingles as the playmaker. I think you need that extra guy. Uh, we saw a lot in game two that the Clippers were, it looked like they were trying a lot of different things, a lot, you know, some things new, some things that they'd done before, just trying to find any kind of answer for the Jazz. What kinds of adjustments yeah. do you expect to see in game three? Huh. Well, I do expect Quinn Snyder to have some sort of answer. It might not be an answer that works, but I, I expect him to have some type of offensive answer to that zone that the Clippers put out there. I mean, the Clippers went with zone for a large portion of the second half, it felt like. I mean, it got them back into the game because Utah just froze up a little bit. I think Quinn, even if the shots don't go in, I think that's something that also has to be discussed. Is like, Let's just say Utah doesn't look great tonight offensively but they're at least attacking the zone then you can say that adjustment was made it's just the results weren't weren't what Quinn Snyder thought but he's one of the smartest coaches in the NBA I think he is probably the most prepared right up there with Eric Spolstra from a game to game or series to series basis like that no one probably watches more film than those guys and they're going to be able to get into the zone a little bit more because he's going to instruct them what to do Uh, something that Something that stuck out to me watching the Jazz try to, I don't know, like combat that zone and that they couldn't do for a good portion of the game was they didn't really screen that much. I think you can always, even if it's a zone, you can still bring Gobert up the screen. Like, you know, that's not illegal against the zone. You can still do that. I think they, towards the middle of the third quarter, they they figured out a few things that they could carry over from from into this game. Um, And also getting the ball into the middle of the floor. It's like, you know, against a zone, you don't always have to just take the threes to break the zone. You can get the ball, whether it's Ingles or Donovan, to the middle of the, to the free throw line area and kind of read the floor and have cutters, you know, go baseline or 
or even some screen action there with Gobert. So um, I, I think they're going to have adjustments offensively. Defensively, I don't, I don't necessarily think the Clippers can do anything uh, differently. I think they are, they are closing out well on these guys um, for the most part, running them off the line. I thought they re- did a really good job against Donovan Mitchell in the second half. It just, you know, they kind of wasted that performance because how often is Donovan going to have 10 points on, you know, what was it, um, maybe 16, 17 shots like he did in the second half the other night. So, you know, they, they might have wasted that bad half from Donovan, and then they should have been 1-1 coming out of Utah, but it's 2-0 now. Obviously, this is a make-or-miss league, Shane. You know as well as anybody covering as closely as you do. Yeah. Uh, is this as simple as the Jazz, if they make their shots, they'll close out this series, whether it's in five <laughs> or six games? Yes, and and really, like you never like to be the guy that goes on radio waves and says like, "Oh, it's all simplistic. It's only about making or missing <laughs> shots. They have to make shots." Like, but really, this isn't college basketball. Like college basketball, there are more tactical things that you have to look at because not everyone, like even even college basketball players that are wide open, are going to miss shots. So you have to find ways to get inside a little bit more. You have to be more a little bit more creative in your offense, or at least that's the hope. In the NBA, it's like, I mean, you saw it down the stretch of game two. I think the Clippers generated six absolutely clean looks that you would, you would, you would love to have as any coach in the NBA because these are veteran guys. These are, these are experienced professional players that take around 800 shots a day, it seems like, in practice or shooting around. And it's like if you get them in a wide-open scenario, they're going, to, they're going to be licking their chops, and they're going to be winning that all the time. And someone asked Ty Lue after the game, like, were you happy with the shot quality you got down the stretch? And he said, absolutely. He said, very happy. He's like, what more can you ask for as a coach? Because Marcus Morris missed two or three down the stretch. Reggie Jackson missed one to take, I think, uh, to cut the lead in half um, when it was Jazz by eight or something. And uh, PG just continues to miss. I don't know what that dude's problem is. He needs to get it together. <laughs> but um, I, I do think that – you know, I was looking at some numbers earlier right before we got on here, and the Clippers on three-pointers with six feet of space between the shooter and the defender, the Clippers are 9 of 32. I mean, you can't really do much with that. I mean, it's, it's actually a miracle, to be honest with you, that the Clippers were in both of those games in the final minute and a half. Um, I thought Utah was just going to run away with it in game two, but, but they didn't. So, I mean, yeah, it's a make-or-miss league, and Utah – has shot well on open threes. They could even shoot a little bit better, to be honest with you. But the Clippers, they have some progression coming their way, I think. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, that Paul George is struggling. We've all kind of seen that. Is that something yeah. that is going on with him mentally? Is it something schematically that the Jazz are doing? Is it a combination of both? What do you think is the reason that he's struggled so much in this series so far? I do think they are baiting him into taking – I thought his shot quality got better in game two. Um, he just missed. But in game one, you could tell the Jazz are baiting him into taking exactly what they want, which is what I like to call it the Memphis range because Memphis takes the most short short mid-range shots and floaters in the NBA. And I think I think PG was getting a little, you know, settling a little bit. You could see Gobert on him. He was, instead of trying to really beat him with his foot speed, he was settling for mid-rangers. I think, um, you know, instead of, you know, he's been really good at putting his head down and, and going into the paint, but it seems like against Utah, it's like, okay, let me get halfway there, then pull up. 
And, you know, that's a really tough shot to make. That intermediate shot is really hard to make. And the Clippers took 26 of those shots in game two. Um, I, you know, something PG could also do better at is, is making probably better plays off the dribble, not necessarily shots for himself. But, but uh, Kawhi seems to be the only direct playmaker that's opening up Marcus and, and all these guys for open threes. I think PG can get into the paint and do that a little bit more. But his problem has always been he turns the ball over far too much in those in those sequences so that has to dial down as well um but hey 27 points in game two on decent shooting you know decent efficiency wasn't great wasn't terrible um but at home i know you guys know this at home the clippers have not played well except for one game and that was game seven of, of the dallas series yeah, Shane, I want to get some thoughts from you on the other series going on, obviously. We saw Phoenix go up 3 nothing last night on the Denver Nuggets. Is this series over? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is it a, su- I mean, is it a sweep, you know, like, is, I guess, the question? Um, I kind of feel like Denver will have an answer because it, often if you see a team go down 3-0, that, that team that's down 3-0 is, you know, they, that finally gets a fire lit under them for some reason. 2-0 didn't, so 3-0 might. Um. I kind of feel like I kind of feel that way about the Clippers too. Like if they go down 3-0 tonight, they'll probably win Monday. But you know the series will be a wrap at that point. Um, so I don't know. They could probably go five um, in this series with Suns and Nuggets. But I, hey, Phoenix, it is remarkable what they've done to have a team. And, and, and by the way, this is this is something I'm actually feeling vindicated right now because this is something I've said before the before the Suns started this playoff run. Everyone talking about, and apologies if you guys thought this as well, but everyone talking about like no playoff experience for Mikel Bridges, you know, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker might not show up in the in the biggest moments because they haven't been on that stage. I just don't think that matters, particularly when you have Chris Paul and Monty Williams leading your squad, probably the two like two of the best leaders and motivators and, and guys that are going to get you pumped up for every single moment of every single game. Um, and, and, you know, Chris is like an extension of a coach on the floor. So the experience to me did not matter despite Denver having been there a few times. And Hey, Denver is missing their best shot creator at the guard spots. I kind of expected this type of run over by Phoenix. Uh, continuing looking at some of the other series, uh, what are th- your thoughts on, on the, uh, current series going on in the east i mean brooklyn and milwaukee has been fascinating because you know going into the series a lot of folks thought that milwaukee's point of attack defense or switchability with true holiday chris middleton and Giannis, and even pj tucker that's four guys that you can realistically put on either Kyrie or um or katie on switches and just force them into some bad shots but so far through two and a half games, I mean, that the end of game three was bizarre to say the least, but I think we've seen that Brooklyn is the best offense we've ever seen against really good, really good and, and robust defenses. Like, I, I think it doesn't matter what kind, what kind of coverage you give them. They're going to have some type of answer for it. Like they're, they are the ultimate cheat code in the half court. I mean, their half court numbers are better than golden States from that, from that five or six year run. It's, it, it's kind of sickening to see, and, and they're doing it without James Harden too. It's 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 marvelous to see. I don't I I don't think Milwaukee will win another game in the series, and of course I'll say that, and they might come back and win. So we'll see what happens. But uh, with, with Philly and Atlanta, might be the most might be the most entertaining series because of the game to game adjustments and stuff that's going on. How can they stop and beat? Because 
Embiid, I would say right in front of Donovan Mitchell is the best player in the playoffs so far. There's really not a, a lot of stuff you can do against him besides giving him full-on double teams. You can't you can't give him one-and-a-half double. You can't give him that soft double. You have to go full double. And his passing, to me, has been the biggest improvement or the biggest trait that he's improved since last year. So, you know, we're looking at Brooklyn and Philly guys, and I think – you know, you're going. That's an unstoppable force in Embiid in the next round, but it's also like the best score I've ever seen in Kevin Durant combating that. So, I, you know, Brooklyn still feels like the team after after a round and a half. All right, Shane. Last thing before we let you go here, are you calling for a split between the Jazz and the Clippers down there in LA? Where do you think things are going? <laughs> um, I, all right. So when it was two old Jazz, I thought okay. It's Split for the Clippers in Staples Center seems like the best case because I, I think Utah, they've, they've been a decent road team. You know, they, they can still get their shots. They can still, you know, that's not going to change. Um, I kind of want to see how tonight goes. I think the Clippers will win tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have to. And then, you know, if, it, if it's a convincing win, if it's not one that they just, they barely get it done in the last few seconds or a few minutes, then I think, I think we could be looking at 2-2 going back to Salt Lake. All right, well, we will see. Shane, thank you for taking the time. Look forward to catching up with you again soon, all right? Good one. All right, there you go. Shane Young, a big thank you to him for joining us. You can find him at Forbes Sports. Does a great job covering the NBA. You can follow him on Twitter at YoungNBA, Y-O-U-N-G-N-B-A, YoungNBA on Twitter. Thank him for taking the time to join us here.